Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. All right, this is Richard and Linda Ayer on Ayers on the Road. Man, we're so happy we get a chance to visit with you all every week, aren't we, honey? We are. It's always fun, and there's a lot of interesting things to talk about in this moment of history and the pandemic. And we're going to throw a curve at you today. We're going to talk about dieting. (laughs) Oh, which is really maybe not very nice because people have been sitting around eating, including me. Um, I I saw one of the first of this uh, craziness and it said, Oh, I've been to the fridge five times. I've had three naps and it's still today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, people have said to us, hey, you know, you write books on families and on parenting and on marriage. Why why would you write a book on, on dieting, which we did a few years ago. We wrote a diet book, actually, just a couple of years actually, ago. Actually, you wrote this Well, thing. you helped I, me. No, you I helped didn't me. help you. And the reason we, we say is that there's a, there's a funny reason and a serious reason, I guess. I just got tired of seeing diet books on top of the bestseller list every week, and I thought, man, maybe I should write a diet book. No, that's the, <laughs> the serious reason is... So many families that we run into could be so much better if they were healthier. I mean, that sounds like a pretty basic thing, but the way we eat and the way we view food and the way we view our appetites, more importantly, I mean, we call this a diet book and we're going to be talking a little today about about food and eating, but it's really, it's really just a metaphor for something deeper and very, very germane and related to families and that is can we control our appetites and i don't mean just appetites for food i mean can we can we control our appetites for technology can we control our children's appetites for more screen time can we control our appetites for more and more material things can we life is all about and families really are all about the control of appetites. Well, we control everything in our lives. And for me, is controlling the need to stay home and work on the computer as opposed to hike. I mean, and which is what's better for your health, obviously. Yeah. But uh, I always think the mundane stuff is more important than taking care of myself. And I think that really is the bottom line on what we're talking about today. So we're going to use this book of ours as kind of a text today, but as we do, please keep in mind all through the, the show, all through today's show, that we're, we're not just talking about our appetite for food. We're talking about our appetite for a lot of things, and we're talking about the general nature of appetites in families. And is appetite, I'm going to just start out by saying this, Linda, is, is our appetites a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I think they're a good thing if they're under control. I mean, they're they're your passions. They're things that you love, and uh, it's in those that's important. And and think how boring life would be without appetites. Right, I it mean, would be. But but controlling them is the key to life, and it's the key to families. Um, someone once said, animals fulfill the measure of their creation by following their appetites. 
In other words, it's their appetites, their impulses, their instincts that cause them to function. But humans, on the other hand, fulfill the highest measure of their creation by controlling their appetites, by learning to master their passions and their feelings and their appetites. That makes sense? It does make sense uh, in every sense of the word. It's something that we're all working on every day. So let's read you a little thing to kind of get us into it. The word diet may be part of the problem. People are conditioned to think of a diet as something short-term and painful, something we torture ourselves with for a period of time so we can reach some goal and then go back to our old, enjoyable ways. <laughs> Isn't that what most people do? Isn't that what you do occasionally? I do. <laughs> a lot. I just said before we started, I guess I just I need to realize that I can never really eat exactly what I want. <laughs> I, I need to control my appetite. Um, and it's not a huge problem, but I just grab a cookie, grab this, grab that, <coughs> and realize that I, I just can't do that if I want to maintain the weight I want to be. Either that or I need to take a hike every day. But again, we're talking about something bigger, about the control of appetites. And we actually call this book the Half Diet Diet because we think it's all about being able to control the quantity of things, the quantity of food we eat, the quantity of screen time we allow our children to have, the quantity of technology we consume, and so on. So it gets down to this. The half diet is about joy, about increasing the pleasure of eating, riding, and training the appetite horse to work for us rather than against now, us. Now, what that meant... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a blow-up, but you have to explain. The metaphor that runs through this whole book is, is a horse and a bridle. And some of us have a favorite scripture that talks about bridling your passions that we might be filled with love and it's in and the horse metaphor and the bridle metaphor really is a beautiful metaphor now i should say linda is the one that taught me to ride linda grew up riding horses i'm a horse lover later in life but i think i've kind of passed you up in uh, that you category. Have, absolutely but um think what a great metaphor it is a horse how strong is a horse, Linda? Oh my gosh. <laughs> they are so strong, they can flip you um, with the twitch of their leg. I mean, it really is amazing. They weigh, they weigh five times or maybe seven times as much as we do. They're much stronger. The idea that we can control a horse is, doesn't make a lot of sense logically, except that we have bridles. And when we bridle a horse and do it well, we channel that horse's strength. And horses become a source of joy. There's nothing like a gallop on a beach on a horse. But there's also nothing quite as dangerous as being thrown off of a horse or having a horse run away with you. And it's exactly how appetites are. They're wonderful. Horses are wonderful. They're beautiful. They're exciting. They're thrilling just like appetites, but if they're uncontrolled, they're extremely dangerous. Yeah, that's so true. I remember a horse running away with me on a plowed field down in Arizona one time. Um, I told him I'd you know, ridden horses my life. I said, okay, you just go down the end of that field and then turn around, and he knew exactly what would happen. <laughs> 
It was, was Warren. Pretty, that was pretty and mean, wasn't honestly, it? Honestly, it was like riding a bucking horse for about two minutes. I was hanging on for dear life. It's scary. So think about it this way. Think of the half diet not as a diet at all, but as a way of maximizing the joy you can get from your bridled appetite and from your God-given body. The joy comes not from satisfying or being controlled by your appetite, but from bridling it and working with it and training it. So you get the idea. And what we tried to do and what we're going to try to share with you today is that there are really three diets. There's a physical diet where you try to control your physical appetites, particularly your appetite for food. But then there's a corresponding mental half diet where you're trying to control your mind and what you think about and what you use your brain to do. And then finally, there's a corresponding spiritual diet where you try to control how you think and how you exercise your faith and how you avoid the evils that make up some things that could destroy us spiritually. Well, I think you're just meaning being mindful. I mean, mindfulness is a big word right now, but it is so important to really control your mind. So let us repeat this little statement one more time. Animals become all they can be by following their instincts and appetites. Humans become all they can be by mastering and controlling their instincts and appetites. So that's what like we want that. to talk about. So as we, as we, in the first part of the show today, as we talk about physical appetites and physical diets, remember, keep in your mind that it's a metaphor for mental and spiritual diets that we also want to do. And so let's start with this. So the basic premise of this book is that our appetites are good, our senses are good, the earth is good, and natural food in all its variety is good. So it's all good. It's not the enemy, but it's our ability to control and to bridle that makes all the difference. When you deny your body's demands for quantity, it will start demanding more quality instead. Vegetables and fruits will gradually look better, and junk foods and fluff foods will start to look worse. Now that's the basic premise of this whole diet is that instead of counting calories or counting fat grams or counting um, you know what you're eating and keeping a record of it and so on, focus instead, I mean start with the premise, my body wants certain things, my physical self wants certain things. If I can bridle it and if I can bridle the quantity, if I can bring the quantity down now, let, let me put it this way, Linda. This is probably the simplest way to say it. All your body needs is enough nutrients to get by. And if it can get those nutrients by eating a whole ton of junk food, it'll, that'll satisfy its appetites. But on the other hand, if you say, no, no, you're only getting this much, body. You're only getting half as much. Then the appetite starts saying, well, if I can't get quantity, I better start desiring quality. And I really believe that, that if you govern the amount of food you put in your body, it starts wanting, it says, I can't get more, so I better get better. And vegetables and fruits and healthy things start looking better to you because you've limited the quantity you're going to put in your body. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Um, I'm actually doing that right now. <laughs> I know you are. So here's the real bottom line. Eating twice as slowly and half as much is 
as you get is as you get used to it more enjoyable than the way you eat now right in other words if you can if you can only eat half but if you slow down and eat it slower and in smaller bites and taste it more you're actually going to get more joy out of eating and you're not going to get all that extra stuff that you don't want in your body i'm smiling and you know why because richard eats so slowly (laughs) it drives me nutty Everybody else is all done. For a long time, we're having a big conversation, and he is still eating. I mean, you're enjoying the conversation, but you're so interested that you can't I do. I do eat it slow, and here's why. Listen to this part. As we explained, there's something starkly simple and perfectly proportionate about the half-diet diet. Eat half as fast or twice as slow. And it will then take the same amount of time to eat our half portions as it used to take to eat the whole thing. And as you get used to it, it, eating twice as slow and half as much, you will crave half as much and enjoy the food you do eat twice as much. Isn't it (laughs) nice how every one of those halves and twices work in your favor? So you get the idea. Eating can be and should be one of the best things in life, one of the simplest pleasures when it is thought of and pursued as a pleasure, it is done slowly and observantly, and it can involve all five of our senses. So we're going to keep talking about that after the little break, and take a little space between your bites, set your fork down, enjoy the food, and end up eating half as much. And that's a metaphor for the mental and the spiritual. But we're going to go on to the what? After the break. Well, we're going to talk a little more about why this is such an enjoyable thing. And we're not trying to give anyone a guilt trip. A lot of us weigh a little too much. And a lot of us would feel better if we lost a little. And a lot of us would be better parents if we felt better and if we had a little more example for the way our children are eating. Right. Thinking about what we put into our bodies is really important. We'll, we'll be right back after this break. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking today about, sorry, diet, but an <laughs> exciting diet, something maybe you haven't thought of or tried before. And something that can help your whole family. You know, Linda, I like to watch someone taking his or her time smelling and savoring food. We, we noticed the Eiffel Towers open again and one... One reason we love France, people, French people generally know how to eat. <laughs> and there are very few pe- French people that are overweight. It's amazing. And, and it's not low-fat food No, Beautiful no. sauces, butter. Everything. But they know how to savor and, and take their time and enjoy it. I love watching someone taking his time, smelling and savoring the food, arranging a bite on the fork and then setting that fork down between bites and chewing slowly, sipping, savoring, instead of (laughs) gorging and gulping. You can do that so much better than I can. I'm always in a hurry, you know, and so it's really hard to slow down while I eat. Here's another thing that really helps. Make water your ally. You know, water, drinking more water. Almost all the diets, whatever one you choose, will say, the more water you drink, the better. And one thing that can help you have the help you 
ha cut in half the quantity of food you eat is the habit of always drinking a great big clear glass of water before you eat anything. It fills you up to some degree and you don't end up eating as much. Yeah, that's true. That does really help. And I, it's just thinking about it that you have to do. You ha have to make it a habit. You're better at that than I am because I don't drink enough water. But boy, if you do that every time before you eat, it really hydrates you, but it also fills your tummy up. Well, and, and here's another key right here. You got to remember the exercise side of it. So think of it this way. One side is working on the quality and quantity of the calories we put in, and the other side is developing the most enjoyable and beneficial way of burning and sweating them out. So you think of it as an in and out. If you can control how much you put in, that's half the battle. But then if you can get rid of some of it through exercise, that's the other part of the battle. And, and what we've all got to do is find a form of exercise we love. That's easy for me and hard for you, honey. I, I, there's a lot of exercises I love. We've been working for years to find a kind of exercise you truly love. And then we discovered electric bikes. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's a lot of fun. So when it gets hard, I just push that little handle and I'm zip up the top of the hill. Um, it really is kind of cheating, but um, it but sure I do gets really you on like your that. Bike, though, you and know? I do. I've just had a knee replacement, uh, actually ten months ago, tomorrow, and uh, so I've been kind of limping along for a while. But now I'm starting to really enjoy hiking. I really enjoyed that hike we did last week, and I can finally go up and down after years of dragging a bad knee around. Now let's get to our scriptural basis here for a minute and spend the rest of the show on this. So this is what we think. We put bits in the horse's mouth, said James, an apostle of the New Testament. But they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. That they that we, they may obey us, and we turn around their whole body to become perfect men and women. He said, "We must be able to also bridle our bodies, our ap expressions, our appetites." Other ancient scriptures warn and, warn and promise, see that you bridle all your passions, that you may be filled with love. So this is not just some diet. This is the idea. This is the premise and the principle that we need to, to bridle. Until we put the bit of our own control between the teeth of our urges and instincts, these appetites can injure us. They can wound us. They can harm our families. They can throw us off the path of the, the covenant path and off of our righteous dreams and, and our goals. So I guess what we're trying to say, here's a, probably the simplest way to say it. What it comes down to is getting rid of five bad habits and forming five good habits. Let's just go through these quickly. Here's the bad habits that so many of us are in as Americans. Number one, we're, most of us are chronically de dehydrated. We just don't drink enough, and we've, we've got to drink more. Um, this is mine, fast eating. We just, I just eat too fast. Number three is huge portions. We eat way too much. Restaurants usually bring you more food than you need, and you've got to box it up and take it home. And number four, endless snacking. Oh, I love those little snacks. I don't eat very much, but I do have to have a little snack in between. And, of course, number five, too much sitting around. 
being too sedentary. Now imagine if we could replace those five bad habits with these five good habits. We'll read them alternately. Number one, the water habit. Drink a tall glass of water immediately before each of your three meals. Besides hydrating you, it will fill your stomach and reduce your appetite. Number two, the slow habit. Set your fork or spoon down on the table after each bite. This slows down your eating and causes you to enjoy a meal more while actually consuming less. Number three, the half habit. Prepare or order, if you're in a restaurant, whatever meal you want, but only eat half of it. If you're eating out, share your meal with your spouse or a friend or take half of it home. If you're eating at home, eat exactly half of your normal portion. And number four, the snack habit. Only snack on fruit or vegetables, except for your three meals. Do not eat anything unless it's fruit or vegetable. I'm sorry, I can't do that. Well, you got to, honey. You got to do it. I'm trying to convert you to this. Number five, the move habit. Devote 20 minutes a day to some kind of aerobic exercise. Now, those are pretty simple habits, but man... And again, some of you are just tuning in. You're saying, what are the IRs doing talking about the diet? They're not dietitians. They're not doctors. They don't have any expertise here. And, and you're right. We don't. But we believe that one of the best things you can do for your family, for your children, for your spouse, is to be healthier. And even more important, to help your children learn while they're young. We've been watching a fabulous documentary that we recommend to all of you just called Babies. It's a multi-part yeah, thing showing how babies develop and, and how they get their eating habits. And they pick it up from the example you said. And, and if you feed them properly, help them control their appetites, you're giving them a legacy of a healthy life. Man, it's so interesting how important it is to get iron in their system, for example, for their brain development and so on. But it's important for us, too, even where we are. Now, remember this. The eat half diet is a metaphor for how we control all our other appetites and for how we can strengthen our minds and our spirits as well as our bodies. So there you go. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. This 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 is a book that poses as a diet book, but it's really a book about appetites. And I like to think of it this way. The God who made us. Have you ever thought about this, Linda? We've talked a little about this, but not for not for many years. It's so interesting. God could have used any means he wanted for us to refuel or get the nutrients into our physical machines, you know, to keep them going and keep them growing. I suppose he could have designed it so we plugged ourselves into a tree or a pond or had some <laughs> nutrient source or, or a tube that just went into us, but, but instead he made eating and drinking a pleasurable and infinitely varied experience. And he gave us appetites and tastes and expandable capacities. Why? Why did he do that? Could it be that our food appetites are intentionally the physical representation of all our other appetites? And that by learning to control that most obvious appetite for food, that we would learn the principles that would allow us to control all these other appetites. Well, there is something to that. Um, I mean, think of it. Think of what we have appetites for. Let's let's just give you a list. Uh, we have appetites for for sex, for recognition or acclaim, for sleep, 
ownership for control independence for comfort for fame for acceptance for achievement for position ambition for power wealth for love understanding for knowledge television and media <laughs> for internet and technology for games and diversion these are all appetites they're not bad they're good i mean i'm glad we've got all those appetites but can we control them and limit them and bridle them so that they don't master us? That's the real right. question. That's the problem. They think of this one. Technology can fit the definition of appetite. First, it appeals. Second, it begins to control us. Third, it becomes an obsession. And fourth, it is an addiction. And we see that happening. So many of us with children, with grandchildren. Uh, we have a young mother. We know a young mother who is really struggling with being addicted to having that phone by her all the time. She has a couple of little kids, and her solace is in her phone, and she keeps saying, I've just got to stop looking at this phone. And she's done all kinds of things to help. But it is true. We can get addicted to technology so easily. Think about this for a minute, because because just as slowing down on our eating is the key to helping us with a physical diet, in the same way, slowing down our minds and our spirits a little bit is the key to success in a more mental and spiritual diet. I like to think of it this way. Um, well, let's, let's read this little section right here. Um, we said earlier that everything seems to be geared toward getting more done in less time. Well, think for, uh, think for a minute about all your various appetites as interlocking gears. Some bigger, some smaller, that turn together. Appetites for food, for success, for recognition, for wealth, for sex, for control, for status. All are gears turning. Think about that, like a gear, like gears that turn each other. And so as a big one turns, it turns these little ones and they, they're geared into other gears and they're all intermeshed and they're all turning. And, and the question to ask is, what is the drive gear? What's the one gear that, that has the power and that makes all the others turn? Perhaps, I think this is at least worth thinking about, perhaps it is the appetite for hurry, for haste, for speed. We want everything faster. We overload our lives. We think the way to get everything done is to hurry more. That sense of pace feeds each of our appetites and causes them to pull harder on us. I really think that's worth thinking about. It's this it's this rushing around. Someone told me the other day the only time the word rush is used in all of Scripture is, is with regard to Satan. Satan is rushing to and fro in the earth trying to mess things up. Well, I think this is one of the great gifts of the pandemic because we have been, we have had to slow down. I think it is a huge gift because think about what you're doing now with what you were doing three months ago. It's amazing. It's a beautiful gift. So the bottom line, just as we advocate sipping and savoring and smelling your food rather than gulping and gorging, apply that to life in general. Can we slow down a little? Can we sip and savor and smell our lives, particularly our family lives, the time we have with our children? Don't rush through those things, make them enjoyable and wonderful. And that way we will reach the goal of really controlling our appetites. So with that, we wish you well. 
Good luck, and we'll see you again next time on Irish on the Road. We love y'all. See you next time.